Hi, I'm Bruce Tolgan, author of The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, published by Harvard Business Review Press. And this is The Indispensables, a podcast featuring conversations with real go-to people who stand the test of time in the real world of work. Each week, I ask my guests what they do differently that sets them apart in the workplace, what makes them tick, and what makes them so successful. In this episode, we have Scott Summer and Christina Cull-Martins from Northrop Grumman. This is our happy 75th anniversary to the Northrop Grumman Management Club episode. Hey, please note, uh, with our apologies, there are some issues with Scott's audio on this interview, uh, but the insights from Scott and Christina are so great. Uh, please forgive us for the audio glitches. Welcome to The Indispensables. I'm Bruce Tolgan, and today I have two of my favorite clients from one of my favorite companies, Northrop Grumman. I have Christina Call Martins, who is a senior manager in the Strategic Space Division. And I have Scott Summer, who is manager of sector overhead budgets in the aeronautics systems sector. Uh, they're also both leaders in the Northrop Grumman Management Club. So Christina is the vice president. Scott Summer is the president of the Northrop Grumman Management Club. It has been a tremendous privilege for me uh, to work not just with Northrop Grumman over the years, but with the management club uh, in particular. It's the 75th anniversary uh, of, of the Northrop Grumman Management Club. So um, this is a, we're going to dedicate this episode to the management club. Scott and Christina, welcome to the Indispensables. Thanks for having us. Thank you. It's great to be here. Um, so, Christina, let's start with you. How, well, tell us your story. How did, you've been at Northrop Grumman for 14 years. Uh, how did you uh, become a leader in this um, major organization? How, how did you go about that? By being curious. <laughs> That's a great thing with a big company is that you can be able to jump around to different things and try out new roles and not always stick with, you know, that category that you chose for yourself back in college. So that's a great thing for flexibility and being curious into new roles. So when I had come in 14 years ago, I was an environmental engineer. I was an air quality engineer specifically. And I always like to joke for our take our daughters and sons to work day that uh, blondes in hot air work really well together. Ha 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 ha. Works on middle schoolers, at least. If I can do self-deprecating humor, it usually puts a lot of people I talk with at ease, especially for kids, because uh, that's a lot more expiring ways to keep women in STEM field uh, is to create a bond with them immediately. So I do a lot of jokes whenever I'm talking to them. Uh, unfortunately, when I do those with some of our international customers who come in, I have to change them because it doesn't translate the same. <laughs> I can see how people would be intimidated meeting you. After all, you're an environmental engineer and you're a leader in one of the biggest, most impressive companies in the world. Oh, it's a fun one. You always just have to make everything you do approachable and make it fun. When I came for Northrop, I was a corporate tree-hugging hippie with environmental. Then I moved to manufacturing. Uh, then I moved to international business development and then to our engineering homeroom. And now I work on a program doing competitive for one of our really large campaigns. So with me being curious, it's allowed me to jump around in the company and try out new things, you know, like put on a new skin, try out a new kind of persona as I go from one thing to another. Being in a big company, you can do that without losing vacation days or hours like you would if you changed to other companies at the same time. So here you are, and now you are a vice president of uh, the storied Northrop Grumman Management Club. 
in addition to all the work you're doing uh, for the organization, that's also a service to the organization. Yeah, when I joined the management club, it's almost as long as I've been at uh, Northrop Grumman. I'd come from being an environmental engineer on hazardous waste landfills. And when I came in a few months after I joined the company, I ended up joining management club because we always like to say management club. It's not just for managers. You always like to take some of the people who are the future managers or the ones who are working on their leadership skills right now. So been with the management club almost as long as I've been with the company. So we've both grown up together. Amazing. And Scott, uh, you're president of the management club and you have a little more experience uh, uh, than Christina. I don't want to date you, uh, but you've been uh, you've been at Northrop Grumman how long? So I've been at Northrop Grumman for 36 years this year, and I am serving my second term as president of management club, which was started in 1946 by none other than Jack Northrop himself. So I started um, back in 1985, and the reason I came to Northrop was because my neighbor's dad worked here, and he says, well, why don't you come work at Northrop Grumman? And I've been here ever since, contiguously, and trying to stay involved in lots of different aspects of the company. You've been here 36 years, and at what point did you discover the management club? So I think it was about 15 years ago. Um, it may be a little bit longer than that, but I got involved in just attending club meetings. Um, our club is 1,200 members currently. We, um, we're able to conduct physical meetings when we can, people that you wouldn't normally meet in your day-to-day job, people from different programs, different functions, different backgrounds, different experiences, and hear from leaders within the company and outside the company about leadership and development and diversity and all sorts of other things that are pertinent to our working professional population. Yeah. How would you describe what is the real mission of the management club? I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to build better managers throughout the organization. Yeah. And I think that, uh, like Christina said, it's not just for managers. It's for employees who are becoming leaders in their own right. And it allows them, um, our charter is essentially networking, connecting, learning and development, and community outreach. I mean, in a nutshell, that's really what it's about. We also, um, we also do social events where we leverage our nonprofit status and we purchase group tickets for sporting events and theater events and all sorts of events that you can participate with your family so that your families can understand who you work with and what it's like to work at this great company. Christina, let, let me ask you, what's your kind of secret to success? How do you describe your approach to work and relationships? What do you think of every day on your way into work uh, to, to set yourself up for success? Well, my tagline for most of the time when I speak to groups is, if you're not having fun at work, why do you go? And that does make some of our executives be like, but it's the mission. I was like, well, the mission is fun with what we do. It's always about sometimes taking a different mindset about how you do something at work. So if we need to set up team training for somebody, like, why do we always have to do this online training? Why don't we go out and do a physical escape room? We had done that with some of my teams and people lamented not being able to do that at work. So we started creating some in-house escape rooms and we even created one for the management club. So you could practice how to do engagement survey result building or how you can work on team communication or just team building. And we decided to, to build our own escape rooms that people can just download and do all over the world, uh, even with people through Zoom if you need to. So being able to, to come to work and have fun and find the game in everything that we do, because, you know, everything from the 
a meeting to a capture to you know getting a product out. It's all a game. You win some uh, battles and you lose some battles, but you're going for the you know the marathon distance or for the entire war. I find the fun in the everyday and try to make it fun not just for myself but also engaging and, and such for my teams. That way they're engaged and they're excited about coming to work uh, and that kind of motivates you from day to day. So I really like that uh, having fun at work perspective. Yeah. And, and I mean, just to be clear, um, how many people are on your team? I mean, you're a senior manager. Depends on which group that you're talking about. Like I'm in charge of our advisory committee. So we've got, you know, 30 people in that. And that's usually separate from your statement of work. Uh, but they need it so much to, to keep people in a group that's thousands of thousands engaged. These are representatives from across like an entire organization. Or we can talk about the capture I'm working with that's got like 50 people that we work with every day. Or it could be the people just in my bay where there's like 12 people and how we interact. So it's all these Venn diagrams of overlapping circles in different times. So uh, you always just try to consider like what's your group that you're working with and how does it apply and what that audience thinks about it. Are you involved with Space Force? <laughs> we have a lot of customers and a lot of really cool missions uh, that we work with. Is that a really good dodge? <laughs> we work with a lot of different ones. So in addition to everything else, you are the escape room guru of Northrop Grumman. <laughs> it's my excuse to do training a little bit differently. Excellent. And Scott, how about you? How would you answer the the, the question of, um, I mean, what's your secret to success? You've been there 36 years. So I too have a catchphrase that I've been using for many years, which is do it with heart, do it with humor, and do it as cheaply as possible. And what, what that essentially means is that whatever you do at the company, whether you're managing overhead budgets or whether you're uh, managing the uh, management club and creating events for people, as long as you have the best intentions in your heart, putting people together in an escape room or in any environment that, that connects people towards some common purpose doesn't necessarily have to cost a lot of money. Uh, simply putting together two people to learn from each other, cre creating mentor-protege relationships, those cost zero dollars. And you end up with two people that enjoy the experience. A mentor feels valued because they're sharing knowledge that is considered to be valuable. And, and a protege is receiving that knowledge and, and able to learn from it. So you've got to keep doing more than what you're just being paid to do. You've got to get involved. You've got to open your aperture. And you've got to, and you have to take advantage of the resources that any company of any magnitude will have available to them. I mean, I know you're fond of saying doing your job is much more than just doing your job. Is, is that part of what you mean by that? Well, I would say you could certainly get away with sitting at your desk and looking at your computer and producing the things that you're being measured on. But I'm afraid that you missed the boat and that you never saw the bigger picture. There's a girl in my department. She was born and raised in Mumbai. She lived there 16 years, and now she's in the States. She is the, one of the greatest people I've worked with. And, and you need to meet people and, and experience all that the company has to offer socially and, and work-wise. I'm going to remind you, we don't hire girls at Northrop Grumman. We hire women. <laughs> it's one of our taglines that we work to, to change some of the, the vernacular, of course. So I always uh, call that out to people. We don't hire girls at work. We hire women. Yes, you're right. You mentioned mentoring before, and I'm really curious about what, what each of you thinks about mentoring, because I know, you know, 
your approach to your career um, involves service or you wouldn't be leaders in the management club. And I know both of you have emphasized that. But what role does mentoring play or what role has mentoring played in your career? Uh, Scott, let's start with you, because you mentioned this fellow you worked with. uh, He was at the company for 68 years. 68 years. But yes, he was a mentor to me. And I've had many mentors. Believe me, mentor relationships don't have to be formal mentor relationships. These are just people that you experience with and learn from. So don't think that you always have to form a formal mentoring protege relationship with somebody. However, I will tell you that my regret over 36 years is maybe that I didn't have more formal mentoring relationships. So I think it's a, you need to do a hybrid. I'm glad you said that about the, the the distinction between formal and informal mentoring relationships. That's something I'm quite interested in, because as you can imagine, you know, sometimes folks will come to us and say, hey, you know, uh, what would it look like to, to create a mentoring program here? And you know what they have in mind is setting up these formal mentoring relationships. I think informal mentoring relationships are so much more authentic What do you think about that, Christina? Have you seen that succeed where people are assigned as mentors? Well, I think when you're figuring out a mentoring program, you got to figure out kind of what's the culture of it going to be. Just like if you're going to do training, is it going to be a fun one or is it going to be something that people have to check the box? Uh, When I first came into Management Club, we set up our LDP or our Leadership Development Program, which was specifically to use our club members as mentors to one of the employee resource groups that traditionally got a lot of our new hires and early career individuals. Started off as this pretty informal, but then got a lot more, you know, of a skeleton around to it and structure. But we decided we were going to come at this mentoring relationship a lot differently. Uh, We decided that to match the mentor and the protege together that we were going to do like speed dating. So we did speed mentoring where you got like five minutes to be able to talk to somebody. We had a couple of questions on the table to help them break the ice if they couldn't figure it out. Like, do you like crunchy or creamy peanut butter and why? I mean, we set it up so that way it was a game for how you got matched with it. And then you also had all these other inter uh, opportunities to, you know, have intersections with these other ones. So maybe you interviewed with a, or you did that speed mentoring or dating with several different people. Then you ranked it. How many people you wanted to be as your mentor? You're like, wow, I really bonded with Scott. I'd love to be with Scott. And you're like, my second, my third, and my fourth choice are such and such. So we had both the mentees or protégés rank the mentors, but we also had the mentors rank the protégés. And then you tried to find where that best uh, relationship was. So if Scott was like, I love Christina. And Christina's like, I love Scott. And you're like, done and done. Well, that's a really easy one. But if you had like 17 people who all said, I love Scott, then, you know, that would be harder if it was a one-sided uh, discussion. But I love this speed dating idea. So how does it actually work? Do people go there? Everyone's a potential mentor? Or is the idea that, you know, some people go there, I'm going to be a potential protege. Some people go there, I'm going to be a potential mentor. I think this is an ingenious idea. 
Uh, so we would have 50 people who are earmarked as quote unquote mentors and like 50 people who are coming in as the protégés. And so that way we could just have the mentors get to, to stay at the, we did this in our cafeteria at work. And then we had the mentors sit at a table and then there was 50 mentees that just picked a seat. And then when the timer went up, your time was up, you got to rotate to the next table. So you got through as many as you could for these five minute increments over uh, like an hour period. And then you got to rank people afterwards. You wouldn't get to sit with anybody, but you saw their bios in advance. So you might be like, ah, I got to find Scott. I really connected with what he wrote in his bio. So and it was a, a really great experience. And so after the success the first year, we continued doing it. And we've done that now for 13 years. <laughs> it's a brilliant way to do it. And I wonder how many of these relationships have gotten enough traction that like, do we have success stories where like 13 years later, these people are still best friends or... I always say that you don't mentor for a moment, you mentor for a lifetime. So even though we have a defined start and end period that we usually do for this, I say like, you've got me forever. Like for this, I expect you to meet with me at least once a month. Uh, we make some goals and expectations for each other. But I tell them, I was like, yeah, I'm not going to release you afterwards. Like you don't have to meet with me every single month after, you know, the quote unquote formal relationship is done. But I'm going to bring you out to lunch once a year. Uh, I want you to come volunteer with me for something else. And so there are people from 13 years ago that, you know, they stayed with the company for eight more years and then left the company and then hopped to two other companies. But I still have lunch with them every single year. It, it was a Zoom lunch this past year because of the pandemic. Uh, but I still tag up with them and like, hey, how's it going? What's your question? So yeah, there's a lot of these that just continue on because they found a really good match with the person, a really high trusting relationship. And it's continued on for a long time. Uh, it's so cool. Scott, Are you, you must be also uh, an active participant in this. Yes, I am. And, and so, you know, one thing that comes to mind is that out of a mentorship relationship is not necessarily, you know, we're measured on two things, work performance and work style. How do you do the work? Not whether you get the work done, but how do you get the work done? In the mentoring relationships, you get a lot of work style influence on, on how that person operated over their career. And, and what they learned on how to approach people and how to solve problems. And so work style is really important. The other thing I want to say is that years ago, I had a protege, a nice lady in El Segundo, or a woman in El Segundo, not a girl. But as part of our excursion during lunch, we went to the roof of the 202 building. And the point of that whole conversation was first to change the environment of where we were meeting. But also the message was, change your perspective. You need to look at things differently. You need to look at yourself differently um, so that you don't just influence your own perception of yourself. And that's an important thing to do. And sometimes it's humbling in that you realize that the, what you've been doing isn't working for you and that maybe you need to change your methods or, or you know, the way that you are perceived by people. And you can do that. My mentees as well, we do them as walking meetings uh, as much because then you get your blood pumping, you're outside, it just changes it from being across a desk from somebody. So I love walking meetings and walking mentoring meetings. So I, I like that you have this object lesson of taking somebody up to a um, uh, the catwalks and this kind of unusual uh, uh, rooftop uh, setting that's also a building that's not usually accessible to most people, right? Um, and, and that the message was change your perspective. And I think that's also a really good tag for uh, mentoring in general, because 
Nobody is objective about themselves. I always say, you know, you're the least objective person about you. Scott, how long have you been? Have you been involved in the mentoring program uh, uh, since its inception? Absolutely. We, we um, when I was with the engineering business management, we uh, created a mentor protege program. We did kind of a stage show to introduce the mentors and the proteges together. We put some leaders of engineering up on the stage, and we did the dating game and, and we played the dating game song and then we, we play acted talking about mentor protege relationships and about what how to approach these relationships and what go, what works and what doesn't work and we had fun with it and there's another example of doing it with heart and doing it with humor yeah what i like about the speed dating model is that it is a construct but it allows for self selection and it allows for individuals uh to make their own choices i i don't know about you but but uh my experience has been when people are assigned a mentor uh i think the success rate is lower uh, than if they have some choice in the selection or or you know of course if it's informal and organic you know, they, 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 they grow up of their own steam. And then you look back in retrospect and say, wow, that person was my mentor. Has part of the formula ever been like, hey, we're going to do a little training on how to be a good protege. Hey, we're going to do a little training on how to be a good mentor. Definitely. Yeah. Those are some of the things that we created a little mentor handbook that we had ginned up with people together, trying to, again, make it easy and accessible, not like a 45 page document, but that had garnered best practices from other folks who had been through it and other ones. Uh, so then we had a like how to be a good protege and then another meeting just for the mentors, how to be a good mentor. That way people could go in with a set of skills. So that way it would set them up for success. Don't be afraid to try something new when it comes to creating a mentor-protege program within a company. A long time ago, I got invited to a meeting that was titled Appreciation Meeting. And I was so excited to attend that meeting, I can't even tell you, until they changed the meeting title to what it was supposed to be in the first place, which was Depreciation Meeting. Oh, no. <laughs> and I'll tell you that, that it left the wind out of my sails. but. The message there is that when you market something that sounds like it's going to be fun, people will come out of the woodwork. But when you do it in a traditional, old-fashioned way, people are turned off by it. So don't be afraid to create something new. Hey, if you are enjoying this podcast, you'll want to check out the exclusive Career Coach podcast with me, Lisa Edwards. I cover all things career management for high-achieving mid-career professionals. As a 30-year veteran of career coaching and one of 23 master resume writers in the world, I am your go-to expert in managing your career path. Topics include resume writing, interviewing, LinkedIn, job search strategies, managing expectations with your boss, leadership, and so much more. Each episode provides you with actionable steps you can take. For example... On episode 176, How to Really Prepare for a Job Interview, I give you 11 tips to help you ace your next job interview. The Exclusive Career Coach Podcast has won multiple awards, including Top Job Search Podcast by JobScan and Top Career Management Podcast by MaxList. So hop on over to the Exclusive Career Coach Podcast to listen and subscribe. See you there. I mean, so if you're trying to sell mentoring, um, I mean, I don't know how much is that something you say, hey, come join management club. 
Uh, one of the things you're going to get is you're going to get a lot of learning programs and, and people get to know each other and form uh, uh, friendships while they're learning from uh, good, good programs. But how, mu- how much is what draws people this mentoring program? Well, one of the things we like to highlight from our program as well is that we always have a volunteering contingent of it. And we bake that in early on because when you go with one of your mentees or your mentor to a volunteering event like Management Club sponsors an event at the LA Food Bank where we pack boxes of meals for distribution and we'll have, you know, 100 employees going with great music going and you're side by side with your mentee. I always make sure my mentees come with me and you see people in a whole new light. And so whenever we include little snapshot of Scott's fantastic videos from us going to do those volunteering events or the Rise Against Hunger one we just did, people are more drawn to it because that's not what you expect in a mentoring relationship, but it adds a whole new dynamic that allows people to bring more of themselves to work and talk about what's important to them. You create an environment where people can meet each other in a place that, that's easy. And that, that if, you, if you're that guy that's sitting at your desk just doing your job and you decided that you want to find a mentor, you've got to kind of figure out how to connect the dots where where we provide that environment. And I'm not bragging all about management club. I'm bragging about anybody that wants to create that environment is you've got to create it and they will come and that and and do it in a way that that disarms people and takes everybody's tension down because it's it's already a social environment. Uh, Christina, uh, so you have a book called Bring Your Dog to Work. Now, uh, my dog is sitting right here next to me and his ears just perked up. But I but it's not about dogs, right? It's not about dogs. So when I came in uh, to the company, I was the corporate tree hugging hippie who then helped start our sustainability teams that are known as Green NG. And uh, we did a lot of things with very little or no budget throughout the years that I was leading it before I then passed the baton as I changed in my career uh, for it. So I just wrote down a lot of those items that we had done. So the the dog or DOG is doing our greenest. It's essentially doing the best you can with what you have available and what people are are excited about. So we put it all together and put it into a book. And so I talk at a lot of different sustainability conferences or like our Society of Women Engineers, SWE, LA Professional Development Conference and different ones. So for many years, I, I just told everybody how we did sustainability teams, especially in a very low budget environment, just like Scott said, you know, do it as cheaply as you can and you'll still have a lot of really creative ideas that come from that. And, and it's available on Amazon, correct? It is. It's on Amazon for it. So for years, it was just something that I, you know, I, I done these teams are really excited. We won a lot of awards, both internal to the company and external for it. We just announced our very first vice president of sustainability for the company uh, this year. So very excited that it, it's grown throughout that time frame. So it's just been one of those things that for years that uh, I like to say that I pushed it out before I pushed out my first kid uh, for it. So it was one of those things on my bucket list is to be able to share that in a larger construct because everybody kept asking, like, how did you do that? Did you have a lot of money? And we go, no, we didn't. We just had really creative, passionate people who wanted to make a difference. What, what, what's in the immediate future uh, for Management Club? What, what will you guys be offering? Uh, and, and, and really, uh, not just for the Management Club at Northrop Grumman, but, what, but what, what do other business leaders have to learn from what you all have created with Management Club? We have tried to reinvent things over years that I've been president and that I've been trying a lot of different things. 
But we've reached out to people that um, Leslie Iwerks, who um, who uh, is a filmmaker and documentarian, she is not typically on the speaking circuit, um, and we brought her to talk about um, creativity and and imagineering. We tried to break the mold on what was expected, and I think that we're going to continue to do that. And Christina, I think that she's going to take it to the next level. And so I'm excited to see what's going to happen in the next uh, bunch of years, and I'll stay involved as much as I can. But I think Christina's going to come up with brand new ideas that are going to amaze everyone. I guess this means I have to run for president when your term is up <laughs> uh, for that. I was I was having fun riding your coattail, Scott, because you've made the last four years for the club really uh, a whole different ball game than what we've had before. You know, 14 years in the club and four years of them have been extra phenomenal for it, even with a pandemic and giving us the leeway when we do the Zoom meetings to do something a little different like a tiki mixology mixture or having our, our families be able to participate with the Disney lecture and be able to learn how to draw Mickey Mouse and see behind the scenes from the Matterhorn and such. Like it was a lot of fun to, to do things differently, engage our families in with it because we all knew that they were there and the dogs were barking in the background. Being able to do that different, I think, helped a lot with the Zoom fatigue that is definitely setting in for so many groups. So as we're seeing the next couple of months, the Zoom fatigue is real. Like we're really excited about our 75th anniversary celebration that we have coming up this week, Scott and the whole team for it have put in so many hours and blood, sweat and ideas and tears uh, for it that it's just going to be a fantastic celebration. And I think going forward, uh, ourselves and then other groups and other corporations and business areas will always have to look at with Zoom fatigue being real and but the desire to still interact with people uh, and be able to engage. Uh, it still remains. It's how do we look at things in a, a new light so that way we can still do it, you know, safe and sane, but it has to be satisfying events things that they're they're fun, that they are willing to get off of their couch and binge watching Netflix to be able to come and participate, whether it's an outside venue or if it's a Zoom paint and pour that we've done with other items. You still have to, to keep it fun and engaging that it can trump binge watching <laughs> for that. You're drawing a bright line under the shared experience, under the networking uh, that's available uh, but one of the reasons I wanted to zero in on the mentoring program and the unique way in which you have conducted the mentoring program, um, it, that, that the management club stands as an example of, of an internal service organization that is dedicated to lifting up and supporting and providing resources for leaders in the organization and, and yeah. contributing to the organization. I mean, to me, what's so interesting about it is uh, that within the workplace, you are able to be uh, extra citizens. You're, you're like super citizens of Northrop Grumman through your leadership of management club. And, and I just, I, I don't see enough of that in other organizations. And it's, it's one of the things I really think is cool about it. Yeah, we just got to do our Rise Against Hunger event maybe just two weeks ago. And we had a huge pull from employees that said like, oh, good, like I really I've I've missed being able to give back. I've missed being able to volunteer with my peers and see people from other groups, especially if they've been working from home. So it was a great event to do. You still feel great in that you're giving back and we could do it in the safe, same manner. I mean, you already had to wear masks and hairnets for doing food prep stuff before. So it, it wasn't a very different experience from what I've done in the past for it. And so I think everybody was still charged that they they could deal, still do those events and that we helped champion. Christina Cole Martins, Scott Summer, 
two great leaders at Northrop Grumman. Thank you and happy 75th anniversary to the Northrop Grumman Management Club. Thank you for being guests on the Indispensables. Thank Thank you, Bruce. In our next episode, we have my new friend, Alex Tremble of The Alex Tremble Show. If you like this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter at goto underscore podcast. That's at goto underscore podcast. Learn more about GoToism in my new book, The Art of Being Indispensable at Work, available now from Harvard Business Review Press, wherever books are sold. And you can learn more about our work at Rainmaker Thinking by visiting us at rainmakerthinking.com. Until next time, stay strong and stay indispensable.